This is To The Point. A Rhino Experience. Voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts. Cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. Hey, what's up to the point listeners? It's your boy, the host of To The Point Home Services Podcast, Cristiano, along with my guest co-host yet again, another episode, The Jeff. Jeff, what's up, buddy? Chris, what's going on? It's a, we've been on the road together three weeks in a row, and now we're not. I'm, I'm kind of missing you a little bit. Well, I'm not missing you, but I will say this. I just got the phone, or I'm phone, geez. I just got the plane about like an hour and 45 minutes ago from being gone, you know, over that three-week uh, rhino rampage uh, span of things. So it's nice to be back. Listen, even the fact that I'm back in the office and actually in the studio is great. Um, I'm excited for our guests. Um, so I've heard about our guests, you know, over the years, heard about his company, competed against this company in that market. Um, it's a market that is near and dear to my heart. Spent some time on a certain street in that town uh, <laughs> over the years. Uh, my best friend lives in that town, owns a jewelry company, custom jewelry company there called Regard Jewelry. Check it out. Um, but he is out of Austin, Texas. And it is Mr. Brad Casebeer, who was the president, uh, who is currently president, right, of Radiant Plumbing and Air Conditioning, but also also an author an an author of what you might ask the jeff it's an author of a book and that book i have in my hand and i just finished the read on the way back from charleston and it's called the survival guide to working with your spouse you hear that listeners if you're working with your spouse right now this is a book you have to check out because as i read it i told brad right before the podcast i wish i'd had this book in the beginning it would have saved me a lot of heartache (laughs) Because when you work with your spouse, you got to have really strict guidelines. You have to be supportive of one another and you have to stay in your lane. And uh, you said another thing in this book too, before I I welcome you in, Brad, is you had said um, it was, if you, and this thing, this was something that did blow my mind, is that if you both need to be involved in like a decision, then you lost the power of having two people. Like it was like something along those lines. And I thought, man, yeah, we get involved like when she could have just made the decision versus me making a decision. And um, we call that in here, I know you're either the 1A or a 1B of a certain scenario. And whoever is the most qualified to make that decision is the 1A in that scenario. If they ask you for your help, then you can be the 1B. But that's what we had to figure out. We didn't, it didn't start there, but we finally ended up there. I think it's kind of along the lines. But I want to go ahead and welcome Brad to the show. Brad, we're so happy to have you on, man. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Really, really an honor to be here. Appreciate it. Yeah, so I got to hear you. I told you a little bit too. I got to hear your um, you know, your podcast you did with my friend Bill Russell, and kind of listen to your story a little bit. And um, and it was enough to got interested in. I'm genuinely interested in it because I'm in that scenario. You know, um, for those who are listening for the first time, the CEO of a company called Rhino Strategic Solutions, which is a digital marketing company for the trades since 2008. So HVAC plumbing, electrical, and now into roofing. Um, that is all we've worked with the past, you know, fit, um, nearly 15 years, and I've done it with my wife. We started the company together, and now we're nearly 100, and, or just just at 130 rhinos. So we've grown this thing into something exceptional. And uh, the things I read in this book would have been a great guideline for me, Brad, all the way all through right. that. So, but there's also a lot of things in here that you know that I had that I hadn't thought of too that I still miss. So I would say if I can walk away from reading a book or listening to a podcast with something to take away, it's a success for me. And I certainly had a few takeaways in here. So one, thanks for writing it, and I'm excited for you to share some of that stuff with our listeners because guaranteed they're in that position right now. You know, I know it. That's why you wrote the book. Yep. So first things first is uh, let's go ahead and have you, if you would, um, just. Tell, tell the listeners how you got into the trades yeah. and let's go ahead and bring us all the way up to date. Cause I know you, you had a, uh, you had some exciting stuff happen for you last year. So exactly. um, you're coming up on a one year anniversary. That's so go ahead and let our listeners know just a little bit about your background, how you got into the trades and where you're at today. Absolutely. So my dad was a construction plumber, uh, just kind of one man army. Um, and the, the economy was terrible and he got this gig uh, out of state gets a motorhome. It's summer. I turned 13 and throws me in the motorhome, says, you're going to help me this summer. And so I started working with him 13 years old. And like uh, this was seven days a week, dawn to dusk, rolling up the cords in the dark every night, kind of a gig. And it worked so well that come fall, they said, you know what, we're going to homeschool you and you can do schoolwork till noon. And then he's going to come home from lunch and take you to work in the afternoons. Um, were you excited about that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Is that not the right word? So I'm not using the word excited. 
you know, I was cool with it. I really was. It was kind of, a, you know, this was a time when our family kind of needed to come together because I wasn't doing it for the money. It was just kind of what needed to be done to survive. Okay. And so to that degree, I was just happy to be a participant and, and help, you know, and my, my pay was minimum wage on a notepad. And then, you know, like four months later, I'd get like a few thousand bucks dropped into my account. Never got to spend any of it because I worked all the time. Um, but, you know, honestly, I probably I probably have about an eighth grade education. I got my journeyman's when I was 17. I got my master's when I was 20. I went to college for a little while and saw everybody graduating and, and getting less money than I was currently making. Um, and it was like, what, you know, there's this is all you have to do is show up on time and you've beat 90% of the competition in this industry, or you get a business degree and you're competing with scores of people, uh, very talented people for very few jobs. It's like, man, I, I think the I, this is going to be my career. So really made a tactical decision at, at 19 that I, this was going to be the smart choice. Um, never dreamed I'd wind up where I'm at now. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I would still be drilling holes and digging ditches, you know, in my mid forties, like my dad. And I was okay with that, but I knew I'd be making a better living than I probably would be with a degree. Yeah, and so, so you're, so you're in new construction though, right? You're in, right? I was. Right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I started my business in when I was 23, uh, did that for a few years, started hiring some people. And Wait, this, what, what, what year was that, Brad? Sorry. I'm trying to get some. 95. 95. Got it. Okay. Yep. And, and then uh, my wife, you know, we modeled my parents. We had one bank account where we bought groceries and plumbing supplies out of the same account. And we worked out the taxes at the end of the year. You know, it's a classic, <laughs> right? And my mom would handle the taxes. And so she mentored my wife on how to, how to manage that. And then as we started hiring employees, though, things got more complex. And by default, my wife got into accounting. She never wanted that. She's an RN. She did labor and delivery. And now this got really complex. And I kind of pitched this idea, like, what if we teamed up, you know, and this is ours and you're not really loving the L&D thing. And she thought about it. And she was like, you know, I would love to work on something that I own. I putting all this time into the hospitals kind of soulless in a way. So she, she jumped on board with both feet and she's the smart one. You know, I'm the typical dude that wouldn't ask for directions if my life depended on it. She goes straight to service round table, finds Ellen Rohr, uh, talks to Frank Blau, got Joker Sarah on the horn and got all these coaches. I was kind of like insulted by this because every, everybody's way smarter than me. And um, she got this big vision for who we were going to become in, in the service industry. So she launched that. And my literal words to her, as she was explaining to me her vision, it was like, I, I see it. I know it's real, but I don't know how, where I fit in that company. You know, and I had no self-belief that I could be anything more than I was in that moment. And so I had to go through a lot of personal development uh, to become the leader that I am now. Um, and, and eventually great coaches and great mentors have been in my life to really help me realize that I was capable of a lot more than I'd give myself credit for. Um, and and you know, today, this, this is yeah. interesting because this is interesting because you're like more on the sales and marketing side. So typically that's the visionary side. Well, so, we, 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 we traded roles and that's one of the most uncomfortable things we've ever done. I mean, um, it, it's it, changing roles and, and having enough trust to, to hand the torch to the other person, let them run with it is probably one of the um, most intense experiences when we've done it multiple times in different roles, it, intense. And you gotta, you gotta really love somebody, you gotta really trust and you gotta be willing for it to fail. Um, and that, that, that's been really hard. So I, I'm securely in the visionary seat now, <laughs> but she got us going and she, she, by nature is very much more operational than I am, but I just couldn't see the vision. I needed to get, I needed to get clear line of sight on it. And then once I got it, it was like, get out of the way. So well, Brad, let's give a quick shout out to Sarah. Cause, uh, yeah. she is a badass. I, I have to read through the book. She is a badass. So Brad, where do you think, so you talked about the leader that you are today. And that Sarah was behind you and she was really propelling you and pushing you. Uh, and by the way, my significant other is a nurse too. So shout out to that. Uh, where do you think your biggest breakthrough was? Because obviously you, you, you talked about personal development. And where do you think your biggest breakthrough was? Um, you know, we, there was little baby steps along the way. But I, I took a, a Nexstar class called Executive Leadership, and it was, they don't have it anymore, but it was the first class I took once we joined 
that's a very scary title for a plumber. I'm just going to tell you straight up executive leadership. I don't know any of these people. And this is the first thing I'm going to jump into. And I was reading Michael Gerber's E-Myth on the airplane there. And, and the big takeaway was, is I'm enough. I can do this. I don't, I don't need magical superpowers. I'm, I'm competent. I'm capable. I got to meet some peers and, and none of them were like so much more capable than me. You know what I mean? It was just kind of like the peer thing really helped because it kind of leveled the playing field because I'd made it so big and impossible in my mind. And so I, I really recommend everybody get involved with peer groups and things of that nature because you realize these really big companies are just as screwed up as yours. <laughs> and they're just yep. humans, you know? Yep. I, I actually read the same book. So kind of a cool story is I read the e because actually, Brad, you and I are very similar. Uh, from what I read, I was like, Clearly, Brad and I are similar, and my wife, Anna, and Sarah are similar. So this was very easy for me to relate to. Um, I actually read the E-Myth because I was just trying to catch up to her skill set. Right. And, um, and, and so it was a pretty cool moment for me last year when Michael Gerber came in and did the podcast live in the studio with me. And so for me, it was kind of a full circle moment because the business has clearly progressed so much over the last 15 years. And so for him to be here was pretty neat. and maybe. Maybe a minute and a half into the podcast, uh, Michael e. Gerber calls me an idiot for saying uh, <laughs> for saying tips and tricks. He goes, "Only idiots say tips and tricks. You're giving knowledge and wisdom." And I was like, "No shit, Michael." Okay, so I've never said tips and tricks again. I always say knowledge and wisdom, and now we have a laugh about it. But he was dead serious; like he's intense. That's amazing. So cool. I would agree. I would agree with him. So there you go. That you're an idiot, Chris. Uh, you're right. lame. Well, you're lame. So, um, and you're fired. You're fired. Um, so, okay, let's keep the story going because I want. Yeah, obviously, there's much more to it, and let's keep it going. Jeff will keep derailing you, so don't let him do it. Yeah. Well, we, you know, um, we got some serious traction going in Austin. Became full service at some point, and um, you, you know, the the big news is we'll, we'll fast forward uh, to to now. Um, we were able to to sell. Uh, to a private equity firm um, last Thanksgiving. We're almost hit our one-year anniversary and um, we're a platform company doing acquisitions now all over the U.S. We've got very, very fast-moving, uh, aggressive approach to how we're doing this. Really, really looking for one, one really awesome company per market uh, to dominate that market. That's kind of our approach and um, really a people-first approach. Um, very, very excited about what we're doing now. So I'm the CEO of that that. Um, that initiative and and that's just been an extraordinary new next level learning experience i mean that the, the whole pe game is just mind-blowing it's so let me ask a few questions because i want to like I, I think we blew through some stuff i think is important that i want to just hit on i mean and i totally blame jeff because he derailed us um so now you you said you started the business or your first like the business in 95 right mm -hmm. okay so up to the point to when before you you guys had done the partnership private equity at what size were you to kind of give some context to that to our listeners? Yeah. Yeah. Last year, uh, when we sold, we were last year, we did, um, 34 million in revenue. Um, this year we'll do 50, um, in Austin, just organic growth, 16 million. In, it's fantastic. In yeah. And the previous year was 20. So that was a $14 million growth year. Um, and prior to that, it was 13. Yeah, so yeah, and like see, chunk, chunk, chunk. <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly why I wanted you to share that because obviously you hit you the bigger you grow, you, it's not that you don't have issues or problems; they're just different issues and problems. And sometimes it's the same; it's just figuring out how to solve them in different ways. So, but it still happens. But you still did it. And by the way, like congratulations, that is phenomenal. Um, I love the Austin market, and the Austin market's only going up; like it's only going to keep keep getting better. Um, but that's really, that's, I mean, that's exceptional because you started out, you were doing new construction stuff as a kid, but you had to merge into the, you know, like the more of the residential, like the repair, repair service repair, like that type of business too. And so did you try, are you, where are you, where's the balance at of that today? It's a hundred percent service. At, at okay. 2006, we rebranded and became Radiant. The business started in 95. So really the service sector started with nothing in 2006 and is to what 50 million today. So. And, was, and was that Sarah's idea or your idea to go into it? 
hundred percent, Sarah. I had no yeah, she, she was a service manager, CSR dispatcher. She was all that. Cause I was buried. I had like seven guys and was deep. I was neck deep in trenches. And so yeah. she had to own that. It was really, really an extraordinary, extraordinary vision that she had. So <laughs> is it fair to, is it fair to say she made a good decision? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, we're doing good. So in that time, you know, what's when you work so closely, especially because you're both essentially now you're, you're being your partners in this business, your partners in life, your partners in business. But um, we have to, myself and my wife have, have been really intentional about, you know, quote unquote, I'll use air quotes, um, leaving business, you know, at the office and not taking it home with us. And, and we have done a really great job of that. There's times when I've abused that privilege. When I know she's mad at me at home, she has to talk to me at the office. And so I don't know if you've ever used that, Brad, but I've certainly used it. <laughs> but right or wrong, then I can kind of work through it. Because by the end of the day, she's talked to me enough where it doesn't feel like she's mad at me anymore. So we can kind of work through it that way. But that's not recommended. Just I'm not saying that, listeners, but it's just something I had done. But you for sure, like, because it's our lives, it's you and Sarah's life. Like, it is what we talk about. And we have to be intentional to not talk about these things and be intentional with one another. So um, I'm grateful that you took the time to write this book. I agree with you. I think it's 100% needed um, and needs to be shared out there. So we'll give a little plug at the end too um, on maybe where that, where that anybody listening can, can pick it up from. But um, what actually prompted you to write the book in the first place? Was it like something that came up? Was it just something you kind of been thinking about doing? Like, what was it that you're like, you know what? I've had this success in the business. We've done it together. Did you and her talk about it and come up with this plan together? Like, set the stage for that. SmartAC.com. SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. The book's kind of always been a conversation for um, maybe maybe even a decade. I don't know. It's just like this resource needs to be there and we need this resource. And, And so... I think um, about three years ago, I, I, I started writing some stuff and, and started creating a collection. We talked about writing it together, which is kind of funny because it's a couple's book. And like this idea of writing a book together is like, how do you even write a book? You know, <laughs> let's do it together. So right. I really love writing. It's, a, it's just something that's very intuitive and natural for me. And so I ended up writing a lot and um was trying to write from a we perspective as well. And it was like, this is really hard because I can't even write a sentence without really feeling guilty because I'm speaking for us. And so I, I, I started writing from a me perspective and then all of a sudden the book was done, you know? <laughs> and it was just like, that's really interesting because I can just be me as opposed yep. to trying to speak from this we perspective. And, and we talked about it and she was like, you know, you wrote it, just do it. This is all, these are all our concepts and these are things you know, that, that you're owning from your position. Um, and, and we really, it just ended up becoming my project, but, um, yeah, it was, it was funny. And we, we had some fights about this book. Like it was so ironic, (laughs) the, um, you know, just, just trying, because it's, uh, this is, we're exposing ourselves in some degree, you know what I mean? And it's just like, not, not about the content of the book, but it was always about the concept and like, and, and just, for her level of trust to let me loose to write this kind of shows you a lot. That takes a lot of faith to let your partner um, write about your relationship and your business and, and your views on it. And so it's like, it took a lot of trust for her to let me go ahead and run with this, but we couldn't figure out how to get it moving with us being the authors. Well, you actually, that kind of follows the path, the pattern of what you guys talk about in the book too, is exactly like that. I mean, this is an easy read listeners. It's only 129 pages. I mean, if I can read it, anybody can read it. Um, so, but I, I, you know, what I felt like is I felt like I, because I, you and I've never met before, like literally until we hopped on this podcast, I actually felt like I got to know you because that was like the way you wrote the book sounded like, it didn't sound like it was 
like a ghostwriter making up words for you. It sounded like there was personality in it, like some of the things you said. So I kind of felt like I was getting to know you reading the book, you know, kind of like people do with social media today where you cut you like I could not ever met anybody face to face because there were air quotes friends. I can kind of see what they're about. This was like I got to I got to know a little bit about you in this book and Sarah in this book and kind of your how you guys function in your job. But I, I think what's what I like the most about this, because there's plenty of books that that are out there in general about spouses working together, but not unique to the trades like you wrote. Like it's mm-hmm. specific to trade stuff. And that you reference things that that our listeners are going to understand that makes sense to them. I mean, you're giving out like on the PL stuff, like things to look for for somebody struggling with that, like the balance sheets, like some of the three, like this is good stuff. It's not just about like straight relationships. It's about, hey, these are things I learned when I was owning my part that I didn't know of. So you're being vulnerable enough to share that information to say, and then, and then give that information in the book. Like I took notes on some of these things. I'm, I'm kind of the same way. My wife is, is ridiculously intelligent, triple major finance, business and marketing, and can read PL sheets and balance sheets. And she's a financial whiz. So she had to teach, she had almost kind of like how you had to gamify yours. Mm-hmm almost have to do the same thing for me to really kind of grasp it and then want to do it. Yep. You know, so that's why I'm saying we had so many similarities like on, on, I just, had I just read, got this thing into my hands earlier, it probably would have saved me a lot of heartache along the way. And I probably could have grown faster and more profitably early on had I read this book. I get it. You know, it, it's um, so a way to look at this too is think of it as a um, more of a workbook. And, and, and I don't, I don't really get into like work-life balance stuff and like, that's your call. If you want to talk about business at dinner, I don't care. Like, do I? That's none of my business. I very, <laughs> this book is very tactical and very, uh, very easy to uh, like. If you, if you like read this concept, like just like you, you just kind of covered how we handle scorecards and dashboards and things of that nature. Like, that's the kind of crap that blew our business up. Like, if you, if you apply that in any with or without a spouse, uh, you're going to get a lot more clarity and optics on what's occurring in your business and, and start to really, really increase your, your growth pace. Got it. So, oh, go ahead, uh, Brad. So you talked about a lot of things just now. If you could pick one thing to hone in on, if you're a business owner listening and you're like, here's the first thing that you need to do. You talked about dashboards, optics. Give me one. The very first thing for a couple is the vision. And I, I absolutely believe that's the foundation. And Sarah and I find we the most conflict and the lack of progress, all, all the struggles we've had is when we're not really shooting for the same target. And it's not always, sometimes it's a known thing. And then that's really, there's a lot of fireworks, but the worst is when we're not, we think we're shooting for the same target, but we're not because we haven't communicated clearly. And that's super disruptive because you keep seeing this person making a decision that's not in alignment with your goal. And then you're making decisions that's not in alignment with their goal. And then you have this constant conflict and you don't know why. And so getting really clear and I, the, the book has ideally a couple would buy two of these <laughs> and, and go through it together, to books, but I'm just saying this would be like, if you want to do this well, you'd read the chapters at the same time and then debrief each one. And there's a lot of sections where it's like, answer these questions and then share your answers with each other. And you're going to find a lot of disagreements that uh, are going to bring up healthy conversations to get you guys clarity on where you're going. Yeah. So I, 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 can't, I think I told you this, Brad, when I got back, I, my, um, you know, my wife can, will, will plow through this book super fast. She can, she's, she reads a lot. Um, but I can see how it would have been good to do it together. And I also want to throw out there and, and give me your opinion, but this doesn't necessarily mean that you like, I think this can apply to just relationships in the workplace in general. Like, you know, my mother retired from my company, which is pretty cool. My oldest daughter works for the company, but the same thing, you know, we have like clear cut, you know, things in place that it is guidelines, you know, or guardrails, whatever you want to use. And, and we have job descriptions and um, what gets measured gets managed. So that way it's crystal clear on what the job is. And you have to fall in line with that, just like everybody else. There's no favoritism, none of those things, but some of the stuff is applicable across, you know, even having family working with you in the company, just as well as your spouse. Hundred percent, and so like the next, the next one after vision is roles, and like I, we were so deep into our business before we had an org chart, and I'm going to tell you, there's not. I, I'll bet you we whip out an org chart every two weeks at this point, 
and, and a redrawing because of the fast pace that we're scaling. And then we're doing acquisitions and who reports to who, what are their responsibilities. And when you're really clear on what the role is and what the, the KPIs are, the deliverables for that role and, and where that lane is, it brings so much peace into a relationship. And I think we started actually having more, we actually started having fun in business once we got really clear on who was responsible for what, because up to that point, we were co-CEOs, we were co-GMs, we were co-marketers, we were co-everything. And, and our, our employees didn't know who to ask what. They were confused and frustrated and they would ask Sarah if they thought she would give the answer they wanted. It's like a mom and dad scenario. And then they would ask me if I, they thought I would favor their side. And then I would kind of lobby Sarah and we'd all kind of have this big powwow and eventually somebody would get their conclusions so inefficient. And the minute that started to break and everybody got in their roles, we, the, the pace got faster and faster and faster. And we had less conflict because we weren't having to bicker about every single freaking decision. That's your decision, run with it. You're, you're, the consequences are on you. <laughs> Brad, when you, when you split everyone up and, it, and their org chart title didn't say do everything and they were working within their gifts and strengths, do you see that, uh, it also correlates to a better gross margin and bottom line when you're doing that. 100%. Everything gets better then. It's like, again, there, there's accountability stopping at these different places. Now, obviously, when you're a small company, your name's going to be in several of those buckets. But like, if your wife's in marketing, get out of it. Let her do marketing. And if it doesn't work, then deal with what's not working. But it's not, you don't have to co-decide everything. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a crazy statement that... This is where it gets weird, I think, for me with relationships, because I think allowing your spouse to fail in a role or struggle in a role is, is okay. Now, I would, I would give more grace for my spouse to do that than I would an employee, because I, I have, there's, I've got a dual situation here. A little and different. One, yeah. One <laughs> is, is, is that if um, is her, my wife's life experience might require this adventure that she wants to be on just as if she wanted to quit and go work for Sears or something, you know, it's like that if that's what you need to do to be happy in your life, let's, let's, I'm, I'm in there with you. And so now not everybody's going to be willing to do that, but that was something that we've been able to say, you know what, I'm going to gut up and let you try this. And um, if it's, if you struggle or, or if we fail a little bit, that's okay. We're going to work it out. Um, it, it happened that there wasn't a lot, you know, we all have ups and downs with, uh, there was no catastrophic failures that ever occurred with either of us. Uh, we've, we both had moments where things didn't go great in departments we were running and we would wrestle through it. And, and then we've both found there's times where it's just like, you know what, I can't, this is not me. Like, so like right now I've got ops and uh, I am not, a, I'm a visionary. I'm not, I'm not a great operator. I, I like, I do not know how to use service Titan. I look at the dashboard <laughs> and that's about as deep as I go. <laughs> I get it. Sounds like us. And I don't want to learn. <laughs> yeah, you're interested. You know, uh, something you said that I thought was um, pretty profound, kind of along these lines too, that I, that I struggled with early on and this was my pride getting in the way. And I think this is probably most people um, is actually, I'm going to, I, I, bookmarks this because I want to read it verbatim the way you wrote it. You had said, um, your ability to, to lean into the discomfort of 100% personal accountability and turn those air quotes victim perspectives into growth paths for yourself will determine your success in business and your relationships. Um, yeah, basically it's saying don't don't have imposters. Don't fake it. Don't act like you know something. It's okay and own your stuff. Don't just defend it for the sake of defending it. Like own it and recognize you can't do it and move on. The business grows faster. It's healthier, quicker. People naturally, I think, want to help. You got to let the pride go. And that happens often. I certainly was a victim of that early on because, I mean, my wife was so much more smarter than me that I always felt like I was trying to catch up to her until I realized I didn't need to. I just needed to be the smartest of what I was best at. And let her be the smartest, what she's best at, and not pretend like I knew something that I didn't. Yeah, that's that's amazing. You know, there was a there was a point in time where I was the general manager, the, the number, top of the org chart, and 
we'd grown to a point and we implemented Service Titan poorly. Uh, we had really weren't, we need, we brought in traction at this point. And, and Sarah was like, she's like, you know, this isn't working. And, and we were wrestling with my leadership and she's very much more operational than I am. And, and she says, you know, I, we, we, she wouldn't directly say it, but the bottom, I finally asked, I said, I think you're trying to tell me you would be a better uh, GM than I am. And she said, yeah, I think so. And, and it was just like, okay. Um, <laughs> wait a second, wait a second, back up, hang on a second. I want, I don't want to rush through that. So you guys are having a conversation. Was this at home or was it in the office? Um, this was over a period of days. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. It was okay. everywhere. <laughs> okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. But I finally, like, we kept dancing around this, and I finally got the guts to ask. You know, it's like, I think what you're trying to say is, is you can do a better job than me in this role. And she said, Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. I was like, Okay. How does this look? And and she said, I think you should be in charge of sales and marketing, and and I'll I'll take the GM. I can and I can over I'll hire an accounting person, but I think I need to run this. And so we did. I, I and it was horrible. I mean, for my ego, it felt really bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. But it was one of those moments where it was like, you know what? She needs this. And I, I can't say she's wrong. And if and I was really going through a big personal development period in my life. And I was just like, you know, I'm just going to lean into that discomfort, just like it says. And just like, this hurts, but let's go. And so I did. I became the best sales and marketing guy I could for that few years that that occurred. And then there came a period of time. And, and guess what? She, she ushered in traction. She did an amazing implementation of Service Titan that I could have never overseen. It would have been a complete dysfunctional mess with me at the helm. Sounds but miserable. Then, yeah. And, and <laughs> I don't want to do that. That's not, anyway, that's, that's for those people. So um, it, there came a point in time where we, this conversation kind of came up again. And I said, I think I need to be the, the CEO at this time, just, just based on what's going on. How do you feel about that? And she was like relieved. She cheered. She literally cheered. And I, I was driving the car and I cried because it was like this, this uh, confidence from my wife that I, I was, you know, it was time for me to take the helm. And it was like this really big bonding experience. So, and, and then she went through, you know, some emotional duress because you, you, we live our whole lives worried about what people think, you know, and, and are people going to think I failed or, you know, I wasn't good enough. And that's not the thing. It's just like, if you can get through that and, and, and go through those uncomfortable moments, um, extraordinary things can happen. And, and that I was the right guy for the time. And this is, you know, it was where we needed to be. And then she was able to shift into another mode and, uh, and do some really cool stuff with finance and warehouse and other places that she just didn't have capacity for. Um, you, you're, so I want this to be more of like a general comment based on your experience, not just your experience, but probably what you've heard and probably some feedback you've heard from others who have also read the book. Um, what's the most common mistake that you think, uh, that couples make when they work together? Um, that's a, um, <laughs> there's so many, but I, I think the number one thing that I, I, I think is getting, not getting coaching together. If um, some of the, and it's so funny to watch this and it's so predictable and avoidable now that I see it. But Sarah came, she goes to a Joker Sarah sales training class. We didn't know what sales training was. And she came back and was putting the sales moves on me. And I was like freaked <laughs> out. She's skill practicing with me. And I'm like, she's like, now listen, Brad. Let me ask you a question. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> so what should we do? So what should we do? <laughs> like, this is the most terrifying. I, I, <laughs> what have you done with my wife? You know? And so it's like, if anytime somebody comes back super hopped up about this exciting thing they learned, guaranteed instant resistance, because in, we want to defend our spouse from being sold a bill of goods, right? And it's male and female. Anytime I come back super hopped up, Sarah's like, whoa, whoa, slow down, Charlie. Oh, that's good. Yeah. You should always like read the books together, go to seminars together, do everything together. And then you're, you're in it and you're collaborating and you're making decisions on what's going to happen next. The other way is a guaranteed conflict. Guaranteed. Yeah. yeah and you can't really like, you know, you're going to miss something and, and trying to explain it. Like it's not near as good of you trying to come back and be like, oh, this is how it's good. Look at all this. It's going to be this and this. I mean, I've done the same thing in my life. I'm like, 
I'm failing. I'm bombing at getting her excited right now. And that's, I've felt that before. Cause I come back and get all excited and I try to share it with her and I'm missing all the details because she's a details person. I'm like, but yeah, but it could be this. She's like, well, how? Like guaranteed resistance. <laughs> guaranteed. Yeah. Don't, don't even go. Just save the money and both go together. And inevitably there's one spouse trying to pull the other one along and they're overselling this, this great, it probably is a great idea, but you know, when you're too exuberant, uh, you're going to create resistance and it's this push pull thing, you know, if yep. you, 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 the resistance has to be there. That's just the nature of a relationship. So, you know, what's going to happen, <laughs> plan for it. <laughs> it's so, coming. Yeah. So Brad, quick question. This could be a spouse. It could be a partner question, but when you go together, and I think that's a really great point because we've all had third party information and it never sounds as great from the third party as it does from the first party. Right. But do you feel like uh, you're able to uh, the, the, dominant party is able to help grow the lesser party and in this situation you right like so sarah went she had all these great sales moves she's giving you conditional closes and you know opportunity closes and all these things and you're like whoa pump the brakes do you feel like you were able to receive it would be able to receive it better as a partner or a couple doing it together a hundred percent i i think that's yeah it's it takes the edge off and it's a lot of responsibility to try to sell somebody um, on a big new concept. And so like, if you've got this vision, instead of trying to shoulder that load, let the pro teach them in a classroom setting where there's a lot of peers and uh, it'll, it'll be a lot easier to absorb instead of carrying that burden by yourself. But yeah, I think, I think we, we tried to, and we've sent a bunch of employees to Tony Robbins and, and I have a friend that was a former, like for 20 years, a Tony Robbins trainer. And he said they used to call date with destiny, date with divorce in the background because people would come by themselves and they'd get all elevated and then go home and their wives, husbands were, you know, they were unevolved and they couldn't catch up. You know what I mean? It's just like, it was too big of a growth tapping on your own. It's just like, you just do these things together. Yeah. You can't even get close to matching excitement on it. It's so, so difficult. Yeah. I, 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 I've certainly been a part of this before. I, I believe in it too. You know, we, we kind of took it a step further in here and we created Rhino University and we actually have brought, pulled our employees into it to where they're now teaching Rhino University on whatever the topic is. And then all the employees can choose to be a part of it and try and cross, you know, learn just different parts of the department, things like that. But it was so that way they weren't trying to hear from one another. It was, no, let's get us all together and let's learn together. Yeah. So kind of what that concept was, obviously not with our spouses, but like the purpose was this group learning is better. So it's not coming from, you know, through somebody. It's not being said from someone. You heard it from the horse's mouth. I do love the fact that you guys can prop each other up, Brad, because as I said, my significant other is a nurse. No interest in sales, marketing, business, any of that stuff. So sometimes I'll be like, hey, we just went to this really cool thing and here's what happened. And she's like, no, no interest whatsoever. Um, so it derails me a little bit sometimes. So it's really cool to hear that you guys are able to prop each other up and, and the Yanos as well. So that's super cool to hear. Well, think about this and I, 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 I go pre-industrial revolution. Like the career is a kind of a new thing, right? Like yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think we've really figured out as a society how to be post-industrial revolution yet, much less the technological revolution. But um, we're... Um, families were in a common cause to survive together. They, they had this one purpose that the team banded around to pursue, whether it was a farm or it was a ranch or it was shoeing horses, <laughs> yeah. making metal tools, right? And, and, and the sons were involved and the, and the husband and wife, everybody just leaned into whatever their natural strengths were in one common cause. And I think, I think we're designed for this. I really do. I don't think it's, a, people always treat us like we're weird. We had some awful comments like, oh, you guys will never make it. You'll be divorced or you need to get out of the business together. This will never work. And, and you know, we just, that was a bummer. You know, you don't want to hear that when you're young in business from bigger, older mentors. Um, but uh, we got that, you know, and I, I'm here to tell you, I don't believe that's right or true. Um, that, that you can have a deep, very close relationship attacking this common cause. Yeah, I um. I think this was at the end of the book, but this is what it makes me think of. One, people tell me all the time, as I'm sure you've heard the same thing, is it's been 15 years of me, of my wife and I working together, actually longer than that, but in owning our own business, 15 years. 
people will say, I don't know how you do it. Like, I don't know how you do it. I can never work with my spouse. And maybe that's true, but I can. And it actually makes my life more enjoyable that I can do it. And we're doing it together. We're building something because I think you said, um, actually, I think it was in the book. It said the joy is in the hunt. The joy is in the growth. The reward is in the journey. Yeah. And it's, you know, that's not the prize, right? Which, yes, you're going to make, you know, if you decide that you're going to make an exit and you want to make some money, that's great. But then what? Like the hunt, the building, the failure, the getting, picking each other back up to Jeff's point, propping each other up. All that stuff is part of the journey. It's the, that's what I love the most is building this business. I've had a lot of really great offers to buy this company and I'm not interested in going down that path because I'm still building. I'm 42. Yeah. So that is, but that has been the fun part. I just came off a three week, you know, stint on the road. I was saying, and, and though, though I don't enjoy the travel like that, I still enjoy going and speaking and giving back to the trades that I love. Like that part is fun for me. And I'm still building something really great here. That's much bigger than, much bigger than me and her, but we're doing it together. And that's yeah. the cool part. Chris, after your three weeks sent on the road, you look much older than 42. I just <laughs> wanted to throw that in for the listeners. Well, at least I don't look as old as you, buddy. I see all that gray hair. <laughs> oh, wow. It, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think everybody is designed to work with, I mean, it, it, it obviously won't work with every relationship. You know, Sarah and I, um, and I, I get into that, you know, like, does your, is your spouse a top employee? Do they get out of bed and get to the job on time on a regular basis? Like if, if they're not really an achiever <laughs> and you really are, uh, yeah, it's a little tough. To, not going to yeah, work. You may not want to, you may love that person for what they are and all that, but they may not be the best business partner. Right. So, right. I mean, I think, I think you got to use some wisdom about, you know, who you, Sarah and I, are very just naturally aggressive or very entrepreneurial. We both work like, that's all we do. We just work. Yeah. So I get know, it. we knew that. And so it's, it's like, we, we knew we had each other's back when it came to hustle. That wasn't ever going to be a, a conversation. So, uh, you know, we had that right. And we're best friends. We were best friends. We, we became friends. Then we fell in love and then we got married. And so, you know, we have this really great great friendship uh that kind of supersedes all this and, and i think that you know obviously helps yeah i um i mean yeah because you are doing it together that's why i say people it, sometimes it's hard to not talk about it at dinner right because it's fun yeah, <laughs> i enjoy it, it. like it i enjoy the dinner conversation so I, your, your point to like to each their own yeah if you don't like my wife does she does have one rule though in the morning what we do is we i use the word intentional because i i really have to be intentional with my time and the morning we get up we have coffee and I have to promise her I won't bring up anything to do with work until that cup of coffee's done. We have like this little thing where we pull out cards and ask each other questions to try and create some conversation that's not work related. So I have that one stint, but other than that, everything else is off limits because we're building something great together. We're, you know, we, we look at it as, as deep as the bigger this business grows, I mean, we're a big company that one of our core values is giving back. We give back a ton, not just financially, but also with our with labor. Like we go one day um, a month and we serve somewhere in our communities. We shut down a half on Friday. We send everybody out to go and serve somewhere, which is basically giving back to their own hearts or souls, if you will, to make them, yeah. you know, and we believe that builds a great culture here at the, at the company as we continue to grow. It's our way to give back. So it's fun to do those things together with like, I enjoy being able to do that with her. I enjoy that my daughter gets to do that. I enjoy that my mother's been a part of those things. Um, it's, it's, so that just adds to it for me. Like it's just, you know, it's icing on the cake, if you will. hundred percent. I, you, what we've been able to do, um, you know, selling to the P firm, becoming a platform company. This is, this is unbelievable money. We did a Tony Robbins event three or four years ago. We, um, it's a financial, um, class and and we predicted you created a budget for our ultimate outcome how much cash do you need living off of the interest to live the kind of life you want the most lavish life and there was like four tiers and um we exceeded our top tier uh by almost 4x uh with the sales price you know and so it's like i could live four lavish lives <laughs> <laughs> i can't spend this money you know and and we're in our mid-40s and it's like you know yeah, we, we missed the baseball games and the soccer games. And then, and so we made choices, you know, and you could go at a slower pace and you, you don't, we don't, we didn't need this big of a return. We just loved the hunt. We were passionate about the game. We wanted to play really hard. 
and uh, get, you know, never dreamed a result like this, but, you know, a good, healthy result, um, you know, and if that's not your cup of tea and you want to be at every soccer game and every baseball game and be the Boy Scout leader and all that stuff, great. You're going to run at a slower pace financially, and that's okay, too. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Everybody just needs to design your life the way you want it to be, you know, and that's, I didn't, I don't take liberties with that in the book. I don't care what you do, but I, I'm just telling you how to organize structurally and, and set yourselves up for success at any pace. Yeah. And it sounds like you guys are competitive too. Like, um, um, one, I will just say this, this is kind of like, uh, like off topic, but you guys crank out some pretty solid videos, man. <laughs> I watched a bunch of those videos that you guys, and you guys do that in house too, right? Yeah. That's all in house. So we got a, a three person marketing team and yeah, it's, it's insane. So I just gave this whole keynote presentation and part of it is I talk about the four P's and I add in the fifth P and I've been talking about this for years, Brad, years. And most still don't do it. I think COVID forced some people to do it because they get their backwards against the wall. But I talk about the four P's of marketing. It's product, place, price, promotion. So basically product, what do you do? Place, where do you do it? You know, price, if you're going to put a price on there, promotion or whatever the call to action is. So like some basic stuff. And I talk about the fifth P and the fifth P is a personality. Don't be afraid to give your business a personality and set yourself apart because y'all do the same thing. So yep. how are you going to create influence? It's okay to be funny. I think people like to laugh. So, I mean, I, and if they don't, then whatever. I like to laugh. I think more often than not, it's successful. And you guys did a bang up job. I think you have a bunch. I, I was going through and watching like the Terminator one or the Cloganator. There was the uh, police. Like the, the, there's some good stuff. So kudos to you for that. Like it was fun for me just to watch it. Thank you. Yeah, Brad, the funniest, Brad, the funniest one was when you guys are poking fun saying, hey, people say we're too serious, right? And you're being very sarcastic. As I watched through that, the only thing that would have made that better is her, you know, hand is reaching across to smack you right in the face. (laughs) That would have been hilarious. But I will tell you, Chris and I and the team see a lot of videos and creative and things like that. You guys are doing it right. And that one, I laugh a lot, but that one made me laugh out loud. That's yeah. so funny. That's so well, funny. So that was like, I woke up and I caught to the marketing team and I said, Sarah needs a stretchy arm. And they're like, eh. I said, yep. It, it needs to whack you right in the face and it would be the <laughs> hilarious thing ever. Well, yeah. this certainly helps your your level of competitiveness because that that doing stuff like that immediately puts you ahead of like 99% of your competitors. Like just okay. by st- you know, sticking your neck out a little bit. And that's why I said, I think COVID, kind of put people's backs against the wall and if you didn't have good brand equity and you weren't continuing to push you know double down on marketing like you had to do something and social was like ripe for the picking to kind of hit it hard yeah um but it helped make you a better competitor like i this is where i'm grateful is uh, my wife and i though we're we our skill sets complement one another we are exact opposite people which is you know i've kind of morphed more into the financial like an, uh, being analytical side of things that i wasn't um, just because of basic business, I got to make sure I'm on my numbers all the time. Um, but what we do share is that we are extremely competitive and we want to win and we want to win bad. Like I just had a, uh, I don't get to do very many like one-on-one conversations um, with contractors. And so I've done a few lately. <clears throat> I had a great conversation with a big player up in the Bay Area. And, um, and then it came down to me and another company that they were going to choose from. And I just found out they didn't choose me just found out they didn't choose me i don't lose very many of these brad so let me just tell you i am motivated motivated to just whoop some tail up in the bay area and so i told my wife about it i'm like let's go but i'm getting after i'm gonna take it to them and you know what and they listen to this podcast so you know i'm talking about shout out i still love you we'll see you on the battlefield but we're competitive you know like and and as you should be right like i still want to win in the business we just are going to do it ethically we're going to do it the right way we're going to do it healthy and we're going to have fun while we're doing it along the way and i appreciate that about you guys too growing it and so that leads me kind of to the the last piece of this is like what's next for you obviously with the with the private equity partnership and you're going to start to do as a platform company you're going to start doing acquisitions so it sounds like do you guys like have a goal in mind that you're trying to hit like what's next for you guys you know, um, one of the most profound books I've read in a while was Simon Sinek's Infinite Game. And that really rocked my world because he, he basically put words to everything I instinctively feel and think. And I, I just was like, yes, yes, all the way through that. And 
the minute uh, we put a monetary goal on something, we start making very different decisions. And so our, 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 our mission is to, to connect with great companies in great markets, one per market. So we're not competing them against each other and make them the best place to work and, and grow and develop really healthy brands that dominate the markets. And we're going to do that one at a time. And, and what we found in Austin, we are so people focused. It is, um, I don't believe in customers first. <laughs> I believe in employees first. <laughs> customers second and, and profits and revenue follow. And as I'm passionate about this. And so every decision is made like, how does this affect our team? Because it's pretty easy to get customers, honestly. But how, how hard is it to get employees? So, you know, we've, yep. we've hired over 126 people this year. Um, in Austin. And uh, that's due to this incredible laser focus on making Austin, not the best place to work in Austin, but the best place to work in the nation. And so we're deeply committed to really being a standout culture and, and great pay plans and just, you know, the benefits and we don't do 24 uh, seven. The guys don't like that. We don't, uh, why would we do that? Let's, let's, let's make, give them the dream job that they want, you know? And so it's, um, it's a different way of approaching the business, but like, so when the past, when I, I had a, a goal, I'm going to hit $7 million in revenue this year, no do or die. I'm going to make compromises on who I hire because I've got to hit that damn goal, you know? And it's like the goal's flexible, the culture and the people are not, and that's the new standard. And now that, does, that is insane in private equity world. They're like, whoa, 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 you don't go down on a budget. And I was like, guess what we do? <laughs> Watch me. It's a longer game. It's an infinite game. If I can, I can get to 7 million, but then it's going to implode the next year because I got the wrong people on the team. The long game says get the right people on the team, not the best of the 10 you interviewed. If the right person didn't show up in the 10, interview another 10, do it again. We're going to get the right butts in the right seats. Your attention goes up and, and you're building it right. And it, otherwise it just keeps collapsing as you build it and you never get anywhere. So that makes a lot of sense to me. I'm always playing the long game too. Um, then final question. And I love asking everybody this question. And I did go ahead and give you the heads up ahead of time so that way you can think through it. Because the first time I got asked this question, somebody asked me on the fly and I didn't really have an answer. Actually, I had the answer. I just didn't know how to, I didn't know how to share the answer because it was too deep down in me to even know how to, how to, to spread it. But, um, you know, you, you've accomplished a lot of great things. You've got to do it, you know, with Sarah. Um, you were able to, you know, build this thing, get a private equity partner. You're, you know, almost a year into it. Again, congrats, by the way, on that. And now you're continuing to build off of that. You're impacting actually quite a bit of lives along the way here, which is something we didn't really hit on too much. But I'm talking like impacting positively because it's nice to be able to, you continuously keep doing these org charts. And that way people have growth plans too. They can kind of see what's next. And that's, you know, encouraging for people. Yep. But what is it at the end of the day, you know, that you want your legacy to be? Like legacy is a, like, obviously when I hear that word, like I, initially what it meant to me in the beginning, I don't know that I really understood what it was. I know it's crystal clear on what it is for me today, but what do you want your legacy to be? I just, I, you know, I hope I leave a, a positive mark everywhere I go, you know, just as simple as that. And I don't need I don't need anything. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there's really anything out there, you know. Um, it, it really, really went through a pretty good midlife crisis uh, in my 40s. And we were very successful, you know, and realized there's really nothing there. There's nothing out there uh, to get. Uh, and even now, like, um, so what? We've got the money and you can get a bigger house or whatever. Nothing really changes. So really it comes down to, uh, are you leaving a positive mark on the people you touch? Are, is, is the company, you know, when I walk down the street in Austin, Texas, and people say, oh, man, you're that Brad guy, right? Yeah. And, and, and I, I'm not nervous about if they had a good experience or not, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the kind of stuff that really matters to me. And it's like, I, I just, I, I, I'm really hopeful that, that you, you know, we, what I found so cool is, is the, um, our spouses of the people that work for Radiant, they, they go and tell their husband or their wife and they say, you should quit your job. There's better companies out there. <laughs> They're not I'm experiencing something here that's blowing my mind. 
and there's better things out there for you. And we're affecting business in Austin, Texas, because we're creating such a great work environment that it's, it's, it's raising the bar. Um, and we're going to do that in every town we go to. And that, that's, that's the impact I want to have. I want to change the way business is done, not plumbing business, but business. Like we can treat our people better. We can look at our businesses in a different way and, and create a better community because we were there. And that, I love it. that I'm proud of. Rising tide raises all ships. Yeah. Um, you know, it kind of makes me think of, I'm sure you probably know who Bobby Jenkins is like one of the great human being. I've, I've got to fly in and meet with him plenty of times and, um, always been super kind to me. Um, but I believe in the, he's kind of the same mindset of like rising, like kind, kind human being, good guy, genuinely cares, like all the right things. And, and listen, like for a legacy, if, if, you did everything you possibly could. You did right by your employees, you did right by your customers to the, as best as you possibly could. And you continue to build the businesses to give other people opportunities. I'd say it's a pretty damn good legacy. That's yeah. something that you can be proud of. Um, I uh, I want to go ahead and end with this and too. And one, thanks for all the time today. Dan. I appreciate it. we're about 55 minutes into this thing too. Um, and, you know, and we kind of, kind of followed the questions, but then what I love about the podcast is it's just a guardrail in place. Really, once I feel the conversation going one way that I'm feeling more passionate about than the other, or, I, or you or, uh, or Jeff asked those questions, it's, I just let it go. Yeah. And, and this is something that um, I think uh, needs to be said, needs to be talked about more frequently because so many actually that are listening right now have spouses working with them right now. Um, and you know how it is. A lot of people will sit up on their own and their spouse is working for another company, but still helping them, you know, um, no, not just men, women, both, but they're still working together. So this still applies. Like it's kind of a, a playbook for you, if you will, to bypass these hiccups as you go. Like as I was saying right in the beginning is had I had this thing early on, I probably could have skipped past a few headaches, you know, on how to work with my spouse and, and moved a little bit quicker and faster and, um, and been able to stay in our lane. So thank you, man. I appreciate you coming on here so much. I want to make sure that you share with our listeners on, um, if you want them to be able to connect with you, um, I picked up on something you said right away because I'm in it, like you're in the M&A game right now too. If anybody wants to connect with you on that world or whatever, or just talk to you about in general, like, hey, about this book or ask questions, are you okay with sharing some contact info for them to reach out to you or to connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can email me at uh, brad at radiantplumbing.com and um, you can find the book on Amazon. Just search up Survival Guide to Working with Your Spouse. And that'll pop right up. Um, it's it's freshly out. We would love some reviews. Five-star reviews will get it in more people's hands and help more people, um, you know, get the help they need to, to move forward. I the, You don't make any money with the book. This is, <laughs> this is really just more of a cause for me to help people um, find find success faster and, and, and they eliminate a lot of headaches and maybe even some divorces. So <laughs> that's the result. I mean, like the book is worth it. Like I don't, I don't need, I don't need the book to be uh, anything successful, but uh, you know, the reviews would be cool. Um, yeah. And then there's a, a, a website called bradsarah.com and, and eventually we're going to start doing some uh, events for couples and we're going to bring in some speakers. And I just, that's, again, that's just kind of a, just kind of a passion project just to, I think some powerful stuff could really happen in those rooms. And that's it's just going to be really big personal development, business oriented kind of a like, let's cut through the BS and, and diagnose what's going on with you two and your business and solve some problems. And I'm, I'm really excited about that coming. So that's not too far down the pike as well. I love it, man. Like this book, the book is to you like the podcast is to me. It's basically, this is our tool to kind of give back to the masses, even if they don't work with Rhino, you know, and that's, what's been so much fun about this is that I enjoy I've now built this big platform that I can help share this that you did for your, like, to me, that's, that's so rewarding to be able to do that. So I'm grateful to have you on here. Thanks for sharing the contact info listeners. I urge you to reach out to him if you have any questions on anything, anything, there is no stupid questions. Um, I'm sure he's probably heard it all at this point, but please reach out to him. And obviously like, like always, and um, I'm just so grateful on the bot. I mean, Brad, we get, we get bombarded by potential, like people wanting to come on the podcast and be guests. We don't take on sponsorships. I've had a lot of great sponsorship opportunities thrown at me. That's not the purpose. Um, so I only bring on people or guests that I really believe in. Either one, the company or the offering that they have, uh, their their leadership, their advice, you know, or what they you know their heart for the trades, you know, things like that. But it's people, it's something you have to believe in. So um, 
that's why you're on here is I believe in this. And I'm because it's probably because I'm so closely attached to it. I'm like in it with you. Yeah. But, um, but thanks man for taking the time and writing that book. I'm excited for everybody to kind of get it and share. Um, and then I like to always finish it. Well, actually uh, let me just finish it with this real quick. Um, appreciate you, man. Thanks for taking the time and coming on here with us. Well, thank you. It was an honor. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to hear my story. Yep. And I'll, uh, you got me to read a book. My wife's like, Chris, you've read three books this year. <laughs> and then I'm going to show this to my daughter. My 14 year old is like a book nerd and she reads like the really thick books. I brought home a book like this. I'm bringing it home. She's like, Oh, that's cute. Dad. <laughs> that's real cute. Hey listeners. Hopefully you enjoyed this time with Brad. Obviously Brad's a total badass and um, not just from a business perspective, but from a human being perspective, the fact that he shares that. So thank you. And then we always love it when you leave reviews. He's talking about leaving reviews for his book. Please do that. That clearly is certainly helpful for him, much like reviews for your business. Reviews for your book is just as good and it helps get that message out there. And it is for this podcast as well. It's something that lets us know how we're doing, what you think about um, how horrible Jeff is at being a guest, uh, a guest host or uh, how amazing our guests are like Brad. But regardless, we love it when you leave reviews. Um, I'm going to go ahead and share one real quick with you guys to kind of send this out. And this one is from Thomas Spall, a five-star review. The Rhino, the Rhino to the Point podcast is a phenomenal information resource for leaders in the home services industry. They bring topics to the table that are of ultimate relevance at this point in time. I highly recommend this to every home service industry leader. Great job, Chris and Tall Paul. So thank you, Thomas. We appreciate you, my man, for that. And again, listeners, guys, keep coming back to subscribe to this and share it with people who need to hear it, especially this episode right here, because you know you know somebody. Until next time, we'll see you.